This is Rabbi Shammai Engelmayer, and welcome to Keep the Faith, my bi-weekly podcast in which we explore contemporary issues through the prism of Jewish law and tradition. Last week's midterm elections and what they mean for us in the next two years were not the only elections we Jews need to be concerned about. Just one week earlier, on Tuesday, November 1st, Israel held its fifth election in less than four years, The result is the possible installation of a radical right-wing government, one that may seek to turn Israel into a theocracy many Jews here may not be willing to support at the very time our support is at its most critical. That is the danger, but is it real? We'll find out because I've invited our man in Israel, Charles Bibelzer, to give us his perspective on what's going on. And so, the topic for this week is the Israeli election, and should we be worried about it? Charles, thank you so much for being a part of today's podcast. You recently became a news and feature editor for the U.S.-based Jewish News Service. I realize you must be very busy, what with covering the Knesset and the latest terrorist attack on the West Bank in which three people were killed. Your time is valuable, so let's get to it. What? in the world is going on over there. Five elections in four years. How did we get there, first of all? It's a seemingly endless election cycle that began, I believe, in April 2019, actually. And the country has been largely divided into two camps. The camp that wants to see the Likud party leader, former Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu, who's currently the prime minister-designate, but who was in the opposition and led the opposition during Lapid's government. So two camps, the pro-Netanyahu bloc and the anti-Netanyahu bloc. The series of elections were, to a large degree, a referendum on Netanyahu and whether he would come back to power. And in the latest elections, the Israeli people pretty much gave a resounding mandate to Bibi in order to form a pretty convincing majority, especially on the backdrop of the inconclusive elections and the very, very close elections over the last four years, to form a right-wing government. As I understand it, the Knesset was sworn in on Tuesday. Yes. And right now, everyone's now really focusing on the political jockeying that's taking place during the coalition negotiations. Bibi was officially tasked by President Isaac Herzog on Sunday to form the next government. So from that point on Sunday, he's got, according to Israel's basic law, the government, he's got four weeks to do so with a possibility of a two-week extension after that, which I think would bring us to December 20th latest, latest, in order for Netanyahu to form a government. Right now, the prospective one is with the religious Zionism party, as well as the Shas and United Torah Judaism parties. And if he's able to bridge a few gaps between the players, he could have a very stable government for four years, which is relatively uncommon in Israel. Let's talk about the coalition infighting for positions in the cabinet. Religious Zionists and Shas being the two major players in the coalition. First of all, who's in charge of religious Zionists Who's in charge of Shas? And what do they both represent? So the Religious Zionism Party is an amalgamation of three different factions. There's actually Religious Zionism, which is led by Bezalel Smotrich. There's the Otsma Yehudit, 
faction or Jewish power faction that's led by Itamar Ben-Gvir. And then there's the smaller Noam faction, but it's a fairly minor faction that was asked to be brought on. And that actually gave, gave the party a big boost with the three factions. They came out with 14 Knesset seats out of 120, which may not seem like much, but it's actually the third largest party together in the Knesset, where there are a lot of smaller parties. As a point of comparison, which is Netanyahu's party and the largest in the Knesset has 32 seats, and uh, Lapid's Yeshati party is 24. So that's religious Zionism. And then the Shas party is led by Aryeh Dairy. It's a ultra-Orthodox party, only representing Sepharadim. Derry's been around for a long time and in trouble at some of his points in his career. But right now, it seems that Derry and Smotrich are duking it out, so to speak, for the defense minister's job. Smotrich is actively vying for the defense ministry. He'd like to have that position in Israel it is pretty much considered the second most powerful position in the government. And Smotrich being the second biggest party and also integral to Netanyahu's coalition building efforts, he believes that the defense ministry is coming to him. And under normal circumstances, that would probably be the case, Shamai. But obviously, there are major concerns in Washington, apparently and reportedly, about bringing in Smotrich as defense minister. Never mind the fact that he has no experience, really, in defense, and really no defense bona fides, so to speak, as the position is the second most important in the government. And because Israel deals so closely in terms of coordination with the United States, is a point of concern. So what Netanyahu would like to do is he'd like to give Smotrich the finance ministry, but Derry has his eye on the finance ministry and believes that that ministry is coming to him as well. And Shas performed very, very well over expectations with 11 seats in the November 1st elections. Mind you, there are problems with giving Derry the finance ministry because he was convicted of a crime and served a couple of years in prison, actually. I believe it was for fraud and bribery charges. It was during his time in the interior ministry when he was serving. So there are some external issues, certainly, to think about. It's a bit of a bizarre situation, quite frankly. As I understand it, a number of military officials have spoken out in fear of Smotrich becoming defense minister. Yes, they have. Uh, there have been a couple of conferences this week where several prominent defense officials and past-serving defense officials did come out with statements to that effect. There have been relatively inexperienced defense ministers in Israeli history, but Smotrich, with his ideology, with hates for tougher dealings with the Palestinians in general and terrorists specifically, very, very harshly. Uh, and also it's for the annexation of Judea and Samaria, the West Bank. So obviously this doesn't correlate to what the Biden administration has in mind for the next couple of years. And you already see with the FBI having launched an investigation into the killing of the former Al Jazeera journalist, Shireen Abu Akleh, it really looks like a shot across the bow and almost as if it's a warning sign Netanyahu, you have to neuter these people or there's going to be trouble for you. 
refresh our memories about the killing and why the FBI was suddenly seems to be interested. This is being extremely poorly well received in Israel. So even outgoing Defense Minister Benny Gantz came out and said Israel's absolutely not going to allow its soldiers to be interviewed by the FBI or to cooperate in any way, shape, or form in this apparent investigation. Just to refresh everyone's memory, Shireen Abu Akleh was a long, long time journalist for Al Jazeera who in May was killed during a firefight between the IDF and Palestinian Islamic Jihad terrorists in Jenin. It caused quite an uproar within the international community. A number of media outlets, CNN, to just cite one example, suggested after its own quote-unquote investigation that she was targeted by Israeli soldiers. The Palestinian Authority said that she was assassinated. And this led the IDF to open up a full-scale investigation into, the, into her death. And it was determined that it is likely but cannot be confirmed that she was killed inadvertently by a bullet that was fired by an IDF soldier. Now, mind you, the bullet was eventually recovered from the Palestinian Authority who refused to allow any legitimate forensic investigation uh, for a couple of months at least before Israel was able to really get down to the bottom of things, if at all it did or to the best of its ability, um, and it did co cooperate with the United States. Um, and the United States had come out with its own statement, basically to the same effect that it was inadvertent. It does seem a little suspicious, though, or curious, that the United States would say that their investigation seems to suggest that it was inadvertent, and then they put the FBI on the case. Yeah, there are a lot of, of unknowns, I guess. But what is known is the U.S. called on Israel to investigate, and Israel did investigate. And the State Department came out with a couple of statements to the effect that, yes, it's a tragic, tragic death. It's likely that the source of the fire was an IDF soldier, although that hasn't been definitively confirmed and probably never will be definitively confirmed this long after the event itself. So for the FBI to be tasked with something like this, from everyone that I've spoken to about it, they say that this is absolutely unprecedented. It would absolutely never occur to any other U.S. ally, only Israel. And in many ways, it's very unsettling because it's unlikely that anything significant will come from it. But the sheer fact that it's been initiated is worrisome. We'll see what happens. It's almost unfathomable that the U.S. would indict anyone or call for someone's extradition. But it looks like it's more a move to appease the progressive wing of the Democratic Party, which right from the beginning called for this kind of international action. So we'll see what materializes moving forward. Let's return then to the parties. You have Smotrich and you have Itzamar Gavir. They've both been accused of being racist, Itzamar Gavir especially. What is their reputation and why do they have it? There are rightfully some significant concerns with the ideologies that Ben Veer in particular maintains. I think most of the concerns with Smotrich come from the religious aspects. People are warning that he'd like to introduce a theocracy into Israel. He has called for Israel to be governed in accordance with Jewish law. 
his social positions are highly conservative. He, in the past, was anti-LGBTQ uh, and attended rallies, if not organized them, against the gay and lesbian community. But I think the major concern is both the religiosity, but even perhaps another element to reform the Israeli legal system. In particular, what's called an override clause, that they'd like to legislate such that the Supreme Court would no longer be able to strike down Knesset legislation. And I think this, more than anything else, really scares people on the left. This is going to be a major, major battleground, even people in the center and even people on the right as well. Israel doesn't have a constitution. What it does have is what it calls a set of basic laws. So what happens is the Supreme Court able to strike down legislation that they consider undemocratic or doesn't meet the needs of various sectors of the population. And obviously the right accuses the Supreme Court of being activist, which most people agree to. It's just the degree of activism that's really the point of contention. It's a big bone on the right. The only thing that I would recommend is that people just kind of give Israelis the benefit of the doubt, because our democratic system, I mean, five elections in four years, how much more democratic can you be than five elections in four years? No, it's not perfect, but wow, do we exercise our democratic rights, and often so. I don't think Israel is anywhere near becoming a tyranny. I think that there's been a lot of scare tactics utilized, especially in advance of the election and obviously post-election as well. There are legitimate concerns, but I really think with Netanyahu at the helm, he'll be able to prevent any very quick major changes. Don't forget, this is a guy that doesn't like big change. And this is also basing everything under the assumption that he's actually going to form a coalition with these people. Part of our problem here would be the religious shift in the government, the law of return being changed, that's one thing being threatened, denying any conversions from conservative or reform. There just seems to be so many things that this new government could do, especially considering its dependency on the religious right, that would affect how American Jews would look at Israel. At a time when the FBI investigation is a perfect example, when the American support of Israel would seem to be a little bit shaky, it's only going to get more so if American Jews turn their backs on Israel because they think Israel has turned their backs on them. I fully agree with that point. What I will say to that is there is zero chance that they're going to touch the law of return. In my opinion, is it a concern? A hundred percent. Is it going to happen? I would absolutely be shocked. And in my opinion, I believe that Netanyahu, if push comes to shove, religious Zionism is saying, listen, guys, unless you pass this, we're going to bolt. I believe that between U.S. pressure and support from an electorate, I believe that Gantz would replace religious Zionism in a future coalition if it came to changing the law of return, because U.S. support is so fundamentally important. I don't see any way that Netanyahu will allow the government to alienate American Jewry. If it happens, I'll be the first one to say the government has to go. 
because then you're really with existential issues such as the Iranian nuclear threat and needing the support of U.S. Jewry and needing the backing of the Biden administration. I just think that we have too many fish to fry security, financial, economic stressors that I don't think Netanyahu will allow this government to touch it. Well, obviously, Charles, I really do hope that you're right. Do you have any closing thoughts for the audience? On a closing note, I would just ask your listeners and Jews in the United States of America, if you have policy disagreements, that is acceptable. But it's not grounds to remove your support from Israel. If Israel becomes a theocracy, if gays and lesbians are no longer allowed to march through Tel Aviv and Jerusalem, that's legitimate beef. But on the, the real policy issues like security and defense, if you don't disagree and you don't like the right-wing government, that's perfectly fine. You're entitled to it. But it's not grounds to negate Israel's right to democratically choose its electorate unless we really, really do go off the deep end. But we're far, far ways from doing so. We're a democratic country. It's a strong democracy. We respect the will of the people in the United States, whether that's Trump, whether it's Biden. And we just ask that you do the same while voicing your opinions because we need it. God help us sometimes. We make mistakes, but we need your support. It's the one and only Jewish state, and we are Am Israel and we fight. Thank you, Charles Biblizer, news and feature editor for the Jewish News Service, JNS, and this podcast's Man in Israel. This is Rabbi Shammai Engelmayer. I do hope you come back for my next podcast. And I'd like to hear what you have to say about this or my other podcast. Go to www.shammai.org. www.shammai.org. And email me, please. If you don't get the Jewish Standard but want to read my columns, go to the columns page of my website. The latest column is on the need for all of us to combat hate before it's too late. Shabbat Shalom. Stay healthy. Keep wearing those N95 masks in indoor venues, no matter who tells you otherwise. And get fully vaccinated if you haven't done so as yet, including all the available booster shots. Enjoy Thanksgiving next Thursday. And above all, stay safe.